This week's show is dedicated to the memory of my friend and fellow pipe smoker, Chip Kushner. Rest well. Coming to you via the internet and your friends at PipesMagazine.com, it's the Pipes Magazine radio show. You know, with all those elves around, Santa did a lot of smoking in bed. Now, I invite you to sit back, relax, the smoking lamp is lit. Here's your host, Brian Levine. Welcome, welcome, welcome to the Pipes Magazine radio show. Yes, the sometimes irreverent, sometimes educational, but always entertaining weekly pipe smoking broadcast. And I am your host, Brian Levine. It is the week before Christmas, two weeks till New Year's, and uh, boy, it's that busy time of year. So I hope you're all getting a chance to sit back and relax with your pipe and enjoy it. Um, on this week's show, in Pipe Parts, we will be, I'll be talking about what I'm going to call the New Year's resolutions. Um, you know, things that I want you to do, and uh, I'm telling you, um, I'm, t- I'm going to tell you this week what it is, because next week, well, I'll, I'll get to that in a minute. Uh, my guest tonight is pipe maker Noel Ebling. And we will have, uh, in addition to that, the standard mailbag music and rant, which will be a rave. And all that coming up on a uh, on the the last regular Pipes Magazine radio show of the year because next week next week will be a mashup show. That's right, Pipes Magazine radio show and Country Squire radio two shows in one. And what I want you all to do is on Monday, December twenty fourth, if you've got the time at one p.m. Eastern time, noon Central. That's uh, 10, uh, 10 a.m. Pacific time and uh, 6 p.m. in the U.K. and uh, Europe and uh, Denmark and uh, 7 p.m. Here's what I want you to do. Go to YouTube.com, search Country Squire Radio, and you will be able to see the show recorded live. That's right, all three of us, me, Bo, and John David recording live on YouTube and then Uh, Those of you podcast listeners that don't want to listen or watch the show live, you'll be able to go back and watch the unedited version on YouTube for eternity. Don't fear if you don't want to do that as a podcast, that show will come out on December 25th for those of you Pipes Magazine radio show listeners. So a lot of fun coming up, really excited about it. But again, uh, if you get a chance, swing by YouTube on uh, December 24th at 1 p.m. Eastern Time, search Country Squire Radio, and you'll see the live uh, the live recording. I don't want to call it a broadcast because it's a recording, and it'll sound a little different than what you're used to. In fact, next week's show will sound a little different than what you're used to, but anyway, I hope you enjoy it. Um, also, real quick, got back from uh, the trip to Disney World. Uh, three highlights. Uh, one, we were able to uh, successfully surprise my son and spend some good time with him and his girlfriend. And then uh, we got to meet the cast of Finding Nemo the Musical at Disney's Animal Kingdom, one of our, our favorite show at, the, at Disney World. And uh, got to uh, have uh, dinner with Russ Hicks and his family on the way down. So overall, a great trip. Uh, surprisingly short, but uh, it was nice. We avoided the snow here at home. All right, let's get the show rolling. So everybody sit back, relax, fire up a bowl. Thank you all for tuning in, and here we go. This is Phil Morgan, General Manager of Missouri Meerschaum Corncob Pipes in Washington, Missouri. Our mission since 1869 has been to produce great smoking pipes that anyone can afford. We guarantee our pipes won't be your most expensive, but they just might be the ones you smoke the most. At Missouri Meerschaum Company, we don't just sell our corncob pipes. We grow them, make them, and smoke them. Missouri Meerschaum, Washington, Missouri, since 1869. back on 
the Pipes Magazine radio show and uh, getting ready for Christmas. I do hope that each and every one of you gets a chance to uh, sit back and relax with your pipe in the holiday season, uh, whether it be uh, you know Christmas or New Year's. The, the next two weeks of our lives are all pretty busy, but I hope we all get a chance to uh, you know just sit back and relax and uh, and be uh, thankful and grateful for what we have and. Uh, and uh, in the times that we have with friends and family and uh, and the times we have with our pipes. All right. So I'm going to I'm kind of calling this resolution time uh, because I want you all to make a New Year's resolution to do these for me. Are you ready? Uh, new that I haven't talked about is, uh, you know, I, I would like each one of you to send me a uh, send me a suggestion for pipe parts. Also, we've got uh, we've got a couple of good comments uh, coming up for Jeff Grasick for the Ask the Pipe Maker segment that will start in January. But I'd like each one of you think you know you've listened to the show enough. Think about what you would like to ask a pipe maker that maybe hasn't been asked or something that has been asked, but you want to hear Jeff's input on it because yeah, he's only been making pipes now for I don't know twelve fifteen years. Um, also, things that I've reminded you of in the past, well, it's December. That means that it's renewal time for the NASPC Pipe Collector. I know that there are way more of you that listen to the show than subscribe to the NASPC Pipe Collector. You can get a digital download version. I think it's $10, $15, and you get uh, emailed to you six times a year. You can get the print version for 20-something. All wonderful writing on uh, from wonderful writing from people that read the pipe collector they're not uh, you know some of them are professional authors others are just you know just really good writers that are all into pipes and pipe tobacco so wonderful reading that i want you to subscribe to and support that uh pipes and tobaccos magazine you know if you don't have a subscription i think uh, i think one year is uh four issues for 28 dollars mailed to you in the u.s Check that out. There's also an electronic version of that, I believe. So, again, great writings in both magazines and really not that expensive if you think of it. If you're looking for a last-minute gift for a uh, you know stocking stuffer or a small gift for a pipe smoker, either one of those, pipe uh, the Pipe Collector from naspc.org or Pipes and Tobacco's Magazine, great gifts. I also want uh, those of you in the uh, in North America. It's uh, relatively easy for the North Americans to get to a pipe show this upcoming year. If you haven't been to one, you will hear a trend through the six plus years of the Pipes Magazine radio show, where some of the greatest memories that our guests have is at pipe shows, and you'll hear one coming up from our guests. So. Yeah, it costs a lot of money to travel and hotels and stuff, but the camaraderie, the friendship, the information that you gather is very much worth it. I would also like for those of you to uh, that, that can't, you know, the, that have access to another pipe smoker around you to start a pipe club. It just takes two people. Just takes two people, and you can commit to meeting once a month in a place where you can sit down and smoke. Our uh, local aromatic pipe farts that meets here in uh, Mooresville, North Carolina, just north of Charlotte. We've got guys that come from 80 to 100 miles away just to hang out for three, four hours. And there is, <laughs> there's no structure to it. It's just hang out, sit around, BS, talk pipes, show pipes, share tobaccos, hang out for three, four hours. And, uh, and you know, and we're lucky that we have a place where we can do that and buy drinks at the same time doesn't have to be a place where you can buy drinks but do get together and form a uh, form a pipe club of some sort um also pipes magazine radio show related we will have the jdrf auctions this year i promise they'll be coming up in march of uh, 2019 so we'll have that to look forward to um if you have any comments or suggestions of what you would like to hear on the show ask the pipe maker uh, guess whatever it is, email me, brian at pipesmagazine.com. If you don't hear back from me in a couple of days with a confirmation, send it again just so that it doesn't get stuck in the spam filter. Uh, love to hear those. Want to tune the show a little bit more towards what you want to hear. And of course, I'll keep digging in for people with, uh, 
finding more people that can do the uh, story time episodes because apparently those are very well received. All right. In just a moment, we'll have Noel Ebling. This is Internet Radio. Italians have always been known for their aesthetic passion. It's their birthright, their legacy. And just like Savinelli, it continues to grow and evolve. It is ever-changing. Milan, 1876. Achille Savinelli set out to change the way the world viewed smoking pipes, opening one of the world's first specialist tobacco shops. From one small storefront to a factory that delivered handmade pipes all over the world, the legacy he forged became one filled with success and prestige. Achilles' dream is carried on today by his family, who continues the Savinelli legacy. Each year, Savinelli debuts a series of new, forward-thinking designs, comprised of quality-crafted pipes shaped from some of the best briar in the world. Behind every beautiful object, there's a story. Start your own chapter. Visit your local tobacconist or premium online dealer today. We are back on the Pipes Magazine radio show, and uh, joining us is a pipe maker who I think I've seen your work now, I know once for sure, maybe twice, um, but uh, artist and creator, crafter, uh, band father, so automatically you get street creds with me on that, because we'll talk about that. Uh, Noel Ebling, welcome to the Pipes Magazine radio show. Thanks for having me today, Bron. All right, let's get to know you. Uh, where did you Where did you grow up, and when did pipe smoking become part of your life? Oh boy. Well, I, I've, <laughs> I've grown up in Northwest Ohio my entire life. Um, I like to refer to it as the armpit of the Midwest. Um, there's not <laughs> a whole lot here. It's, it's uh, cornfields and bean fields. It's very flat in Northwest Ohio. So. Um, Grew up here all my life. We've bounced around a little bit within about an hour or so, but kind of came back to my roots to live about 15 minutes away from the house I grew up in. So uh, built our house out here about 10 years ago and enjoy living in the country. It's nice. We're close enough to home, and but still out in the country, so it's enjoyable. But as far as the pipe making and uh, – so forth goes i can remember the earliest memory that i have was in high school i was probably 17 um i had a good friend of mine and still the best my best friend today he worked at the bob evans restaurant chain and that's yeah. when bob evans bob evans used to sell dutch master cigars to all the old fellas as they finished their dinner because that was the common thing 25 years ago to have a cigar after dinner Oh, so, well, oh, hold on a second. So you mean the Bob Evans restaurants that I love now because the food's great. Uh, mm-hmm. They also sold cigars in the little, uh, at, at the little, did they, did they bring it to your table? Nope, they did not. What they did was they had a box of cigars. So when you checked out and paid your bill, when you were leaving Bob Evans, you can buy a cigar for 35 cents. Oh. And they were... And it was typically the Dutch Master Panatella cigar. That was the cigars they sold, and everyone, at least around us. So, yeah, that's and, so cool. Anyway, sorry, yeah, I, I got excited. So, yeah, I mean, and, and you think about it, it just t- how times change. But that was the way it was back then. And of course, you still had smoking sections in restaurants and different things here, and that's all been banned and done away with. But, um, yeah. So in high school, my friend worked there, and of course we started smoking cigars in high school and um, my mom thought I was crazy. She thought that it was kind of funny that I was, you know, 17 years old and smoking cigars. And, (laughs) um, but there again, when I was a kid, you could go buy cigarettes from a vending machine for anybody you wanted. So times are different, but that started me into the cigar world to some degree. And probably around the age of, 21 i would say i bought my first pipe of course like everyone else it was it wasn't a cob i bought a dr gerbeau um you know a nice fancy little bent pipe and bought the old standard you know drugstore over the counter tobacco and got into smoking pipes for quite some time at that point so now yeah it's been 25 plus years ago now, did you uh, did you burn your face off the first couple of times and and figure out how to pack it yourself, or did you have somebody help you? 
No, I had no one to help me. I mean, I, myself, I, my brother, my older brother actually bought a pipe as well because everybody thought that was kind of cool. Uh, we didn't know anybody that was a pipe smoker at that time. And no, we had literally no idea what we were doing. We didn't know how to pack them right. We didn't know how to keep them from getting hot. We didn't know how to draw them. I mean, it was just, it, you know, at that point, you're you're young and you're just smoking a, <laughs> a pipe, which is another receptacle, like smoking a cigar. And we had no clue of the art or the practice of it. It was just, we, we, we kind of did it incorrectly for many years, and it wasn't until probably... Oh, probably around eight years ago when I really started taking it a lot more seriously and getting into better pipes and quality artisan pipes, finding quality tobaccos versus the old over-the-counter, you know, half and halves and um, that type of thing. So it everything changed for me in the pipe smoking probably around eight years ago. What, what do you think made you want to go looking for something different because i mean at, at that point you'd been smoking what you knew and then you just got Correct. the you got the urge to see if there was something better yeah i mean i always enjoyed it it was never you know it it's funny i just had some family come in from out of town and you know i showed them some of the pipes that i'd made and you know the my pipe collection my tobacco and they were like oh you know they just have that persona that oh smoking's bad i'm like I said, let me explain something. I said, there's there's not an addiction for me with pipe tobacco. It's something that's a practice of a hobby. I enjoy sitting and relaxing. My wife didn't care for it at first, you know, a few years back, and now she's along with me, and she she wants to sit beside the campfire on almost a daily basis and sit down and enjoy a pipe with a glass of wine or whatnot. So it's... <laughs> For me, I, I, I stepped away from it for quite a few years, you know, smoked an occasional cigar or two. I actually found my original pipe that I bought tucked away in a toolbox uh, about <laughs> two years ago, which was really neat to see that, that I still have it. Um, but, yeah, as of, at this point now, my collection of pipes has grown to um, – more than it should be let's say (laughs) (laughs) more than it more than some people think it should be but yet not quite enough right that's well that's correct and i always tell myself it's like oh i haven't smoked this pipe in a while i should probably sell some and it's like you know kind of one of those things when you have a when you have a, a fascination with them you keep them for the design the style the looks the maker you know maybe the story behind why you bought it you know there's a there's a there's a connection with every one that I've purchased. And so that's one of the reasons why it's hard for me to let certain ones go, even though it might be a pipe I don't smoke often. Yeah. So it's like I've talked about in the past where you've got, you've got different kinds of pipes in your collection. You got ones that you really, you know, ones that smoke really well, ones that are sentimental to you and ones that make you happy when you look at them. Right. Exactly. I mean, in, in going back a little bit to your collection, I mean, and some guys are very fanatical about which pipes are only used for certain types of tobacco. When I got back into things, I'm going to say eight years, maybe 10 years ago, I started to understand better tobaccos and understanding of quality versus quantity at that point. And so, um, it, that was an eye opener because you know I used to just walk into a tinder box and you know pull get the big glass jar and take a scoop and say you want an ounce of this because it smelled good or an ounce of this one because it whatnot and it yeah. it didn't take long to realize that it doesn't matter how good they smell they never tasted right they never tasted good <laughs> and so that was kind of a turning point for me when I started getting into quality tobaccos which. Obviously, McClellan's was one of the first ones I really fell in love with uh, back in the day. So that was a game changer. <laughs> uh, so, what were you? What have you been doing for a living? What did you want to be when you grow when you grew up, and what happened? Well, I would like to be the host of Fight Magazine Radio Show. Is really what I was shooting for, but that was quickly well, I, shot down. Yeah, aim <laughs> aim higher than that. I mean, hell, anybody can get that job. <laughs> Um, I've got to, I've got to be honest. I mean, I was, I considered myself, people ask me, I've got I'm a carpenter. I've had my own, uh, business that I've owned now for the last eight years. Um, before that I was in construction management, but I was still in the carpentry field as a construction manager. I would oversee large multi-million dollar projects. So I enjoyed it. The stress was high. Um, employee problems were high. 
that type of thing. But I tell everyone what I do now, I feel that I was destined to do. I was a very young child. I remember probably being around eight years old. And I remember my uncle building me a workbench so that I could have my own tools. And, and, and I'm not talking the plastic tools. I'm talking real tools, you know, a real hammer, a real handsaw, that type of thing. So I would say probably at a very young age, I knew that I was going to be a carpenter. I love to build things and I love to make things. And that's just been my, that's been my life. I love making things and it doesn't really matter what it is. I mean, I got into making and welding and, you know, working on custom making motorcycle at one point and just, I would just go knee deep into something because I enjoy the artistry of it. So, so you're, you're one of those guys that if you dropped in the middle of the desert, you could just be left there with a screwdriver, some timber and build a shopping mall. Well, that's a good, good chance that I did watch a lot of MacGyver when I was a child. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So when did the idea for you to uh, make pipes come around? I got the idea to start making pipes. I think I think a lot of guys, when they start getting into the, the hobby and they get very deep into it and they enjoy it and they love it, um, if they have any type of craftsman abilities, that was on my mind. So I would say probably around six to seven years ago, you know, Facebook started having more groups that were geared towards these things. And I started really expanding my world because, I, like I said, I didn't have anybody around me that I felt was a mentor or someone that could teach me the art of pipe smoking or the art of even pipe making. So that opened up a, a different realm for me when I started seeing these things. And the more I studied it and learned and, and watched, I got into refurbishing, you know, estate pipes. I enjoyed doing that. And that kind of started the ball rolling for me to say, okay, I'm going to start buying some equipment and some machines. And so I enjoyed refurbishing estate pipes and I'd buy them and redo them and, I've still got some of the first ones that I that I bought just for that purpose because I enjoyed and I remember what that pipe looked like when I got it. But uh, things really started rolling on the pipe making probably about five years ago on my first trip to Chicago and, and actually being at the Chicago Pipe Show and being around such great pipe makers that were just and, – and that one is one of the reasons why I will always make the effort to be at the Chicago Pipe Show because the pipe community in and of itself are so giving of knowledge and time and spending the time to explain certain things. Um, and it's just I, – I enjoy being in the tent and talking to guys and, and seeing the show and yeah. seeing all the styles out there. So that really – that really – sparked the interest to start getting into it so i literally spent the last few years just getting the right tools that i would i knew i needed you know, the, the bare minimums the, the lathes and the the sanders and the different things so i mean that to me was a crucial part to i didn't want to start doing it until i knew i had the proper tools i wasn't just trying to start with a dremel tool and try to make it work i, I <laughs> having my own construction business i know that the the quality tools make the job easier. And so I knew I would be frustrated if I didn't have the, the right tools for the job. So being a, being a professional at making stuff, you knew you needed the professional stuff to make the stuff before you could start to make the stuff, make the stuff. Correct. Yeah. That's exactly right. It was just, it, it literally was a process and trying to find the right lathe and trying to find, you know, the proper setup and getting the right tooling. And, and, and I'm not there, obviously you talk to any, anyone they'll probably tell you that there's always more tools they want to buy and more things they want to get and, but it's i've got a good start enough to feel like i can turn out a decent pipe um with what i have to work with that's a perfect place for us to take our break and we'll be back with noel in just a minute I'm Jeremy Reeves, head blender of Cornell & Deal Pipe Tobacco Company. Since 1990, Cornell & Deal has been producing high-quality pipe tobacco, expertly blended by hand using time-honored methods, unique recipes, and no small amount of innovation. One example of such innovation is our bestseller, Autumn Evening. We start with whole leaf red Virginia and strip the stems by hand. 
The tobacco is then cut into ribbons and cooked for two days according to our unique recipe to create our special Red Virginia Cavendish. Then we infuse the tobacco while it's still hot with our secret flavoring to achieve the sublime sweetness, deep flavor, and delightful aroma that makes autumn evenings so well loved by our loyal customers and everyone around them as they enjoy this very special blend. Cornell & Deal Pipe Tobacco Company. It's a labor of love. Contact your local or online retailer for information. We are back on the Pipes Magazine radio show visiting with uh, pipe maker Noel Ebling. And uh, all right, so you got all the tools together. Were there From those trips to the Chicago Pipe Show, was there a style of pipe or certain pipe makers that kind of stuck out as the ones you wanted to kind of emulate or look at closely? Yeah, there was quite a few pipe makers that I, I found very intriguing at the Chicago Pipe Show. And honestly, there's a lot of American uh, pipe makers, and I love their work. The ones that always stuck out to me were some of the European makers that were you know, from some of the Middle Eastern countries, or or I should say, probably more of a Eastern Europe. Yeah. Um, I was just fast, just the art of it. You know, I I would say that I'm not really a classic shape uh, maker. I, I mean, I understand that I need to make those to learn some of the things and and understand the shapes. And and I I've spent some time practicing on making classic shapes but sometimes for me i just want to let my imagination go because pipe making and for me with having my own business is just the therapy for me to sit and watch the lathe and to hear the machines and i'm i don't really want to get to the point where i want to take commission work i just want to let my artistic ability go and i want to make what i feel and i think that's when you actually get the best product is when you make something that you just feel but yeah. if someone says hey i want a classic milliard and this is whatever i want a poker or, then you then you're you're if it becomes a job at that point and that's the way i look at it i want to do it more as a hobby more as a therapeutic time for me to unwind after a stressful week let's say but um i mean grant batson makes some fantastic pipes i love seeing grant's work when i go to the show I love seeing, um, oh boy. I mean, of course, Jeffrey Allen. I mean, that's, some of his pipes are just phenomenal. I love seeing his work. Yeah, but that, I mean, I'm listening to what you say, and I've always said that I can, I can kind of tell a, you know, which pipes a pipe maker was more excited to make uh, because mm -hmm. it looks like there's a little more, I don't know, a little more personality in it. But yeah. Also, your your full time job, you're making stuff that people tell you how to make it, and it's got to be you know perfectly square and and set the way you want. So when Correct. you get when you get a chance to sit down and make a pipe, you you want to go you want to go play and kind of just have fun. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I at, I mean, it sounds selfish, but you want to satisfy your desire to make what you want, and not maybe what a homeowner or a customer or client would want for me to say, this is what we want. This is the colors that, you know, now that's the nice thing about what I do with my full-time job is I, I mean, I design kitchens and bathrooms and I do interior work. I'm also building a new house for clients right now. Um, and they give me a lot of artistic freedom to make some of those decisions. So I do get that. Don't get me wrong. I, I get those artistic outlets as well, but, to actually make a tiny piece of briar into something that becomes a work of art to me, that is just phenomenal. And I love it. I love the challenge. I love the, the ups and the downs and the snapping off of a tenon or the shank when you're trying <laughs> to make a smaller pipe and all that stuff. I mean, it's the, uh, it's the joys of it. And to see that, you know, when you, I, I, the first pipe that I sold to a gentleman, uh, a gentleman I would call a friend, um, to see him get the enjoyment and the messages, you know, on a weekly basis, just how much he's falling in love with that pipe and he loves it and it just feels so good. I mean, that's just, to me, that's the highest compliment I can get. You mean when you build a bathroom for somebody, you don't go in there and watch them use it? <laughs> I, I couldn't resist that. I, I, that was just hanging there for me. I'm sorry. I had to do it. Yeah, I, I don't think I would want want to do that, but it, <laughs> um, 
we'll leave that one alone. Yeah. Um, so, so coming, you know, coming from a craft background, was there a part of pipe making that was just completely strange to you or odd or just seemed, you know, kind of backwards until you kind of figured it out? It was never backwards or odd. I mean, and here's the thing that I can, I can tell you, I've never had any hands-on experience making a pipe with any pipe maker. I, 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 as a craftsman and as a carpenter, I knew what questions to ask. I knew what questions to ask certain makers, especially when I was in Chicago and talking with guys about how the airway and the different things and the, and the, the design and the engineering that goes into it. I mean, I was one of those kids that would, you know, get a remote control car at Christmas time. And when I was seven or eight years old, and I'd want to tear it apart to see how it worked. <laughs> and, and so I've always had that in my mind is that I want to know how it works. And so going into it with that aspect helped me understand. And that was just a matter of learning the techniques now. And that's really what I'm focusing on is just understanding the techniques to actually be able to do it and to make a pipe efficiently and not have, you know, 200 hours in to make a pipe because I don't have the right tooling or the right process yeah. or something's not right. So for me right now, that's where, I'm trying to focus on the efficiency of, okay, can I make a pipe in a week's time between, you know, maybe 10 or 16 hours versus taking longer and, and more time because I don't have the right tooling or the right understanding on how it works. So, yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, it's a, I guess it's a, it's a balance when you start and it's gotta be a balance when you end, but, uh, yeah, talk about your talk about your shaping because before we started, uh, when we were chatting about having you on the show, you talked about how some of your pipes have kind of like a musical styling to them. Well, I definitely am fascinated with music. I mean, my oldest son, who is a sophomore in college now, music's been his career for oh, probably since fourth grade. So, what would that be? Ten years, I guess now, and. and and even when I was a child, music was a big inspiration. I was in the band all through school. I loved it. I would be the only child from our high school band that would actually go to the local symphony orchestras with our band teacher. It was kind of <laughs> weird, but um, I enjoyed it. I loved going to the symphony. I loved music. And I think my son gathered some of that from me and from my genes because of the fascination that I had with classical music, which is one reason why I love Don Carlos Pipes, the G-Notes. Um, I've got a few, yeah. any, any time that I see a pipe that's musically, um, drawn to is the, the Don Carlos, or I see some of the, um, Savinelli has a few special editions that I've got that are musically, in, um, inspired. So for me, music's a big part of that. And I, I love seeing pipes in that nature. So I just think there's a flow. Music has a flow and I think the pipes are a lot of, there's a lot of similarities with a pipe is the flow of that pipe, the lines, the, the draw, the flow of the smoke. I mean, there's just so much that you could correlate between the two in my eyes. Yeah. I mean, I've, I've seen some of your pipes and they all have you know, your, I, I can, I can understand it now where they all like a piece of music. They all seem to, they, they change and undulate in shape and, uh, right. and you get movement in them. So that would, that would make a, uh, you know, that'd be a perfectly, <laughs> That makes perfect sense why you don't like doing classic shapes because there's not a lot of movement in a standard billiard. Correct. It, and, and that's the thing. I mean, I made it, I actually entered into the Kansas City Pipe Club contest this year and entered a pipe, the Prince shape. To me, that was a very hard pipe to make. Number one, the Prince isn't an easy pipe to make, just the shaping of it. Number two is the dimensions and how it works. I'm not used to making something that small. Um, but to me, at least the one that I made, now I got to tell you, there's some other pipe makers, you know, Brandon Brooks is a fantastic pipe maker. I love Brandon to death. His prince was just phenomenal. And some of those pipes that I see have what I would call that artistic flair to it. Mine was based on a Dunhill shape that was a very boring, non-accent ring, no, you know, nothing fancy about it, but that was only the second pipe I had ever really made. So I felt, you know, I felt 
confident enough that I had a decent pipe, but it was very classic to say the least. So there was no, there was no, um, nothing special about it. Yeah. Are you, are you starting to think of, yeah, are are you always kind of thinking of ideas and and trying to yeah trying to push the limits of what you think you can and can't do? Well, of course I am. I mean, actually, um, you know, sometimes your biggest um, failures turn into your largest triumphs. And I've got a pipe that I started this last week that um, was going to be a Prince type shape. I wanted to try something a little different um, as it failed because of some bad briar in the shank section of it, I thought, you know what? I think now's the time I'm going to push myself to try a bamboo shanked Prince. And one of the reasons is Brandon Brooks does make a fantastic pipe. And I, and I, I really look up to him and his artistic abilities and what he turns out. I think he makes a fantastic pipe. And, um, and honestly, of all the pipe makers I have talked to, I, I feel like our friendship has grown um, every year. I love seeing him in Chicago. We text and talk once in a while. And uh, and he has, has actually offered to let me come down and work with him in his shop and just kind of study and see how he does what he does. And to me, that was a very big honor to know that he saw the ability that I had. He saw that I wasn't just some guy wanting to figure it out or try it. He, he I, There was something I'm sure he saw, and he was offering that that up to me which um like i said i take that in very high regard so is is he kind of the guy that or you know one of the guys that you go to when you might have a little problem that you can't get over the hump with on a pipe um well the, the thing is brandon's he's a full-time uh, teacher as well yeah. as you know with me and my full-time job I, I i lean on sean ream quite a bit um i actually will send him messages through voxer and we can talk um you know, because I know he's a full-time pipe maker. He does it full-time, so he's always in the shop. So I do ask Sean a lot of questions, um, and he's gracious enough to give me information. He's uh, been very kind in explaining certain things to me, possibly on a finishing aspect or um, maybe what dimensions you should try to stick with, that the bite section of a pipe. And, you know, I've asked him a lot of technical questions that um, I can ask him on the fly, you know, at times. So... Uh, Sean's been a big help for me as well, and he's you know he 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 turns out a fantastic pipe as well. It's amazing how giving the uh, the pipe community is, and all you have to do is you know sit down, and say hi to somebody once at the Chicago Pipe Show, and now you're lifelong buddies. So actually, the the about five years ago, I asked a gentleman and spent some time with him, uh, Russ Cook out of Michigan, and Russ turns out a really nice pipe, and I was fascinated by talking with him, and you know it's probably two o'clock in the tent and we're discussing the engineering and styling of pipes and so forth. And <laughs> I asked Russ, he had a couple blemished pipes there that he was kind of just showing as a display that he started and had some defects to it or whatnot. And they were kind of roughly shaped, but I asked Russ, I said, I would like to buy those from you if you don't mind. I would just like to try my hand at finishing them. He had, he had the, the hard parts done, you know, the draft holes drilled and the, and the bull was drilled, but the shaping was kind of rough and, the stem was nowhere near complete. So Russ really helped me. And I spent about a good hour on the phone with him one night, just talking about some things. And, you know, he, he's one of those guys in the pipe community. If I wanted to, if I have a question, I'm going to call him and he's going to sit and talk to me for as long as I need. So that was, that was a big help. And, you know, I just, I look back at some of that and it just amazes me that the generosity that's out there amongst makers Noel, where can we go to see your pipes and uh, and maybe buy some? Well, currently I have a Facebook page set up for my uh, pipe making. It's Ebling Pipes. I also have a Facebook page set up that I keep updated on Instagram, which is also Ebling Pipes. So if you need to see any of my work or some of the progress and things that I've got going right now, I've got a list of about six pipes that I've got to work through um, and of course it's part-time for me, so it's only as time allows, but, um, I do like to keep my Facebook and Instagram page up to date, showing some of the new stuff, the, the work that I'm doing and different stages of the process. So if there's any questions or if anybody wants to see my work, that's the best place to go. And Ebling is spelled E-B-L-I-N-G, Ebling Pipes. Noel, yep. we will uh, we'll wrap this up with the fast five final questions. No right answer, no wrong answer, just whatever comes to your mind. Are you ready? 
Woo. All right, hang on. Okay, I'm standing up. I'm ready now. All right, what is your favorite pipe? Probably my Ardor Sherlock Holmes. And what is your favorite tobacco? Rich Dark Flake. Who's that? Is that from uh, Gallith? Germain. Germain. Germain's okay. Rich Dark Flake. Yep. There we go. Uh, what is your favorite drink? Bourbon. <laughs> and when it's time to relax, do you prefer a book, a movie, or music? A movie. I was expecting music, but I'll, I'll take that answer. Okay. Uh, nope, the, I do enjoy music. And then the final question is, do you have a favorite pipe smoking related memory that we didn't talk about? I would say yes. I enjoyed uh, spending a lot of time with Joe D's in Chicago. Uh, one of my first trips to Chicago five or six years ago. I, I can't remember how long I've been going. But I just remember spending so much time. He, it, we met for the first time. He was a long bearded guy. I have my big red beard, and it just—he felt like a brother from another mother. And I got to say that that was probably one of the most memorable times that I spent with him those two days in Chicago five years ago. <laughs> you know, you are a, a long-haired, bearded, motorcycle-riding builder, carpenter, <laughs> classical music fan and father and pipe maker so you really don't fit the uh, you don't fit too many classical molds do you no it's kind of an eclectic blend i guess you could say i just <laughs> I, i'm into I, i'm into so many different things and I, if I, there was more time in a day i would do more i can i can assure you of that well i can tell you that's what i like about you so keep doing whatever you're doing and uh, keep making some good-looking pipes, and I guess uh, then I'll see you in uh, Chicago. Without a doubt, you will. Noel, thanks for coming on the show. Thanks, Brian. I appreciate you having me. And we'll be back in just a minute. My name is Shane Ireland, and I'm the pipe manager at SmokingPipes.com. It's my job to source and select the absolute best pipes from all over the world. We take collecting seriously, so you should think of us as your team of personal pipe shoppers. When you browse our site and make your selection, the pipe you've picked out has traveled from the maker to our merchandising and quality control department. It was then given to our highly skilled photographers, videographers, and copywriters before being carefully and lovingly packaged by our shipping team. The pipe you see is the pipe you get, and it's just the one you've been searching for. Whether you're on the hunt for that next special piece to add to your collection or would simply like a recommendation from our extensive selection of tobaccos, give us a call at 1-888-366-0345 and our friendly experts will be glad to assist you. We are quality. We are experts. We are collectors. We are SmokingPipes.com. This is Internet Radio. And welcome back to the Pipes Magazine radio show. Do take a look at all of Noel's pipes. He's doing some good stuff, and uh, and he's a good guy. So, yeah, let's support him. And I love the fact that he's not taking commissions. He's just having fun making it. So keep an eye on him. Find one you like, and when you like it, pull the trigger. All right, for music, uh, we've, uh, we've played the classics, and now we're going to something a little more modern, but again, you know, recently rediscovered a lot of Queen music, and this is the one and only Queen Christmas song they did, and it's called Thank God It's Christmas.
Great Freddie Mercury and Queen, Thank God It's Christmas. That is available on iTunes. I got it through the uh, Platinum Collection disc number three of uh, Queen's Greatest Hits. You've got mail. In the mailbag, we've got a lot of stuff to get caught up on. Uh, but if you have any questions or comments, you can go to pipesmagazine.com, click on the radio show, click on that episode, post your comments there, or email them directly to me, brian at pipesmagazine.com. And I've even had a couple of you uh, email me some travel-related questions, and I love those, brian.levine at mei-travel.com. Uh, that would help me out if we keep them separate, but either way, just email me or text me or tweet me or whatever, you know, reach out to me on Facebook. Uh, speaking of Facebook on Facebook messenger, uh, Rondi sent me this about, <laughs> about three weeks ago. And he said, I enjoyed the first part of Mike and Mary's interview, but I just don't know if I'll ever be able to forgive them. I've only got about a pound of Frog Morton on the bayou left and maybe four or five ounces of Frog Morton cellar. After that's gone, I guess I'm just going to have to start assassinating people who pretend to be allergic to gluten or something. I don't know. It's going to be a dark time for me. <laughs> well, hopefully by the time you've, uh, by the time you find, uh, by the time you run out, hopefully you'll have, uh, you know, found something else. And uh, a couple weeks back, Craig emailed me, uh, Craig from Tularosa, New Mexico. And he says, Brian, the first time I've laughed during your show, Mary was spontaneous. I caught her enthusiasm. It was magical. Happy holidays. Thanks, Craig. Yeah, uh, first time you laughed. I, <clears throat> well, hopefully I've said something stupid that made you laugh or made you just probably shake your head and go, why am I really listening to this character? Uh, but either way, thanks for the email. Glad you're enjoying it. Hope you enjoyed part two. Uh, and then uh, Nelson wrote a while back, and I'm going to put this out here. Uh, Hi, Brian. I've been enjoying your chat with the McNeils and had a couple of questions. First, right out of the gate, they talked about Carl Ewa, and it sounded like they may have had a family connection with to him. What was their relationship? Uh, Carl and Mary were married to each other. So Mary was uh, uh, Carl was Mary's first husband. And then uh, the next thing is, uh, and uh, Grandpa McClellan, that was, uh, that was on Carl's side of the family. Uh, next thing, Mary is talking about pulling apart tobaccos at Grandpa McClellan's. How old was she then, and why was she so interested in tobacco at that young age that she wanted to pull it apart and find out what it was made of? Well, we don't discuss a lady's age, but uh, she was young. Uh, she was younger than she is now. Uh, McClellan was around for 41 years, so this was prior to McClellan, so 44, 45 years ago. So uh, I was young back then, too. That's how long ago it was. Uh, the reason they were pulling it apart was Carl was trying to figure out what was in everything and what, was, what the parts were, the components were, and starting to begin to understand each component tobacco because as mary said you have to really smoke the components to know what they smoke like independently and then figure out how they're going to react in the blend so 
in order to figure out what's in the tobacco, well, you lay it out usually on a white piece of paper because it makes it uh, much easier to see. But you lay out the tobacco and then you start pulling apart pieces that look different, feel different, or cut differently and assorting them. And you can get a feel of what the blend is. Also, if you do it right and you do it in grams, uh, if you have a gram scale, uh, not used for that stuff that's not legal in some states, but now is completely legal in Canada. Uh, if you have a gram scale and you take a 10 gram allotment of a blend and you start pulling it apart, you can break down the recipe of what it is. Now, you can't tell exactly what's on top of the tobacco or how the tobacco has been treated, but you can come up with what the mixture is. Uh, and then, uh, and then Nelson is the one that suggested, uh, Burl Ives. And I know I've played uh, silver and gold before, so that's why we did the one with Burl Ives that we did. So Nelson, thanks for that. Uh, great email, great questions. Hope, uh, hope that clears that up for you. Uh, the picture, <laughs> apparently the picture of myself, Mike and Mary, that was at the Kansas city pipe show. That was at the Kansas city pipe show uh six and a half years ago because that was the kansas city pipe show where uh kevin godby and i sat down with greg pease and we first really just dis really started discussing the pipes magazine radio show so that was a while back um, as you can tell most of my hair was black although some of it wasn't and for some reason i'm wearing a gaia barra short sleeve shirt um, no clue. Anyway, George Debos had the best comment on that one. And George said, uh, Mike and Mary are wonderful people. The end. Who's that scary shifty eyed guy in the blue shirt though. I, I know they don't willingly associate with riffraff with riffraff. Does the name tag mean he's a walk away from a prison or state hospital? Yeah. Thanks George. And, and of course, George being in Kansas city knows the McNeils really well. Uh, and going back specifically to last week's show, part two of story time with Mike and Mary, Dino says, wow, what a terrific follow-up conversation with Mike and Mary. Mike's candid story of the beginnings was just wonderful, and Mary's poignant discussion of Carl's decline was heartbreaking. This is important history that must be chronicled. Can you hear me, Mary? I'm in anxious anticipation of the next episode. Uh, like Bing Crosby, Burl Ives just oozes Christmas cheer. Nice choice. I really enjoyed the show. Thanks, Dino. See, if Dino approves of the music, you know it's good music because Dino's got taste. Uh, and then 4ETEC Jonathan says, the best show ever, John. <laughs> Glad you like it. Short, sweet, simple, just like me, uh, except for the sweet and the short. Uh, anyway, uh, and then Casey Ghost says a really top-notch show, a very thorough review of a burly tasting, but it still can't take the vile taste of burly out of my mouth. <laughs> it is just vile to my poor meager taste buds. A great interview with Mike and Mary. Again, the show wasn't as smooth as it could have been. Uh, Mary kept trying to talk about things in a consistent time frame, whereas Mike wanted to jump ahead to when he was crucial to McClellan. Mike can be hard to rein in at times. They remain a delightful couple. Uh, Burl Ives was sensational doing Silent Night. That was something else. Wow, both uh, Dan and Dino agree on the music. Um, yeah, Mike's hard to Mike's hard to get <laughs> Mike's hard to get him to express his thoughts and keep con and keep him in order. <laughs> but anyway. Um, an interesting, uh, interesting comment on Burley because Burley does have a little bit of a bitterness to it sometimes that uh, that some of us can pick up. And then uh, Anna Ananta Adro Scroggin, I think that I did it right. He even broke it out for me phonetically, so I appreciate that. But Ananta. Adro Scoggin writes, I remember reading once that the first person to record Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer, which became a hit for him, was singing cowboy Gene Autry. I have no idea if he ever was a pipe smoker or not. I don't know. I, I, I actually searched to see if there was some Gene Autry pipe smoking related pictures. Couldn't find any. Um, 
a little bit of a little bit of history on Gene Autry. He was also the one that uh, started the uh, what is now the Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim baseball team back when they were the Los Angeles Angels and they played in Los Angeles. Then they moved down to Anaheim and became the California Angels. So Gene was into a whole bunch of other stuff. Uh, and then Crash the Gray says, I have little to add this week. Great continuation of the interview. I'm loving this. Very amusing rant, and I like the Home Alone tie. Uh, the little clip at the end of the show is rarely mentioned, but a nice reference to a Christmas story this week. I, I'm glad you appreciate the little clips at the end of the show, because sometimes those take me longer to find than anything else. Uh, and, and, and I have fun with them. I try to keep them a little themed. Uh, but surprisingly, there's also a, there's a YouTube video going around now of a guy who engineered a uh, an, a device that kind of explodes with confetti and uh, fart smell and is very uh, anyway, you just have to look you know, look on YouTube for um, a porch pirate uh, bomb or something like that and you'll see it. It came out last week while I was gone. It's hysterical, and I wish I was as smart as this guy is. But anyway, all right, again, comments or questions, email me, brian at pipesmagazine.com. Would love to see you all tuning in live next week, 1 p.m. Eastern time on December 24th on YouTube. And in just a minute, a rave. There's nothing quite like a good book, or my genuine Missouri Meerschaum corncob pipe, an American legend since 1869. It's the coolest, smoothest pipe I've ever owned. See for yourself at corncobpipe.com. on the road this holiday season traveling to friends or family's house uh, running to and from the mall doing whatever the holiday season has done to you <laughs> or you're doing to it uh, but either way while you're out on the road please remember be kind and be courteous especially to those truck drivers delivery drivers that are out there that are making all those things that we want this year for Christmas all those things that we need for our holiday dinner, all those gifts that we've ordered and are all these gifts that we've sent out to other people. Remember, those are truck drivers that are out there that are making all of this product all across the US and uh, Canada and England and all around the Western, all around the Western world. The, those people are out there doing their job and we're out in their workplace when we're on the road with them. So, this holiday season just you know be kind and be courteous to him let a truck driver in if he needs to move over uh you know don't get angry with them when they're uh, when they're trying to get their job done and get your gifts delivered or get your uh get your christmas ham delivered to the grocery store just give them a break give them a wave say howdy but most of all just be kind and courteous and remember that when you're out on the roads you know, those truck drivers, their, their office is that big truck that they're in and their workplace is those roads that we're on. So if you give them a break, it'll help everybody here in the holiday season and you know, give them a wave and a hello and a thank you for doing their job and getting all those things that we've ordered. And oh boy, have we got Amazon boxes all over this place. Uh, but give them a thank you and a howdy and just help spread the holiday cheer. Uh, remember again, next week, December 24th at 1 p.m. Eastern time on Country Squire Radio's YouTube channel. We'll do the uh, mashup show live, and then you will have a new podcast version of that show on December 25th at 8 p.m. Eastern time because we put out a show every week at 8 p.m. Eastern. All the episodes are sitting there waiting for you, so if you've got some quiet time this holiday season and want to sit back and even if you've heard them all, Go back and listen again. You know, that's uh, 300 and some odd shows just sitting there waiting for you. 
So I hope you all do get a chance to rest, relax, enjoy the season. I want to thank Noel for joining me. Thank you all for tuning in. And until next time. Who cares about the clouds when we're together? Just sing a song and think about sunny weather. Happy trails to you. All over the world they celebrate the birth of that baby And everybody gets time warp and wait Now if that ain't proof that he's the son of God Then nothing is (laughs) 